We're going to be continuing this series called Spirit-Filled Fruit. So guess where we're at? We're at Galatians chapter 5, verse 22. You can get, get your Bible, follow along on the screen, 22 and 23. It says, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness. That's the one we're going to hit today is faithfulness. Then next week will be gentleness. Then we'll go on to self-control. Against such things, there is no law. If you've missed any of the others, I encourage you to go back and to catch them. Today, we're going to be talking about faithfulness. Uh, how many of you guys have ever had a time in your life where you just wanted to quit? <laughs> Anybody? Maybe a job. You just wanted to quit. Maybe even a friendship. You just wanted to quit. Or something you just, you just you know, were tired of being faithful. You struggled to be faithful. Uh, I know that today's topic isn't like the fanciest, flashiest topic, but I do believe it is a key topic. And so we're going to plow through it because it is key. It kind of is foundational for everything else in some ways. And so it's important that we, we get on this. Uh, for me, you know, there's a lot of times I could think of when I was tempted to quit, but one of those times came up to me as I was uh, preparing this week, and it was probably about five years in to our mobile church time. I mean, how many of you guys were with us in mobile church over at Shoal Creek Elementary? Just lift up your hands. All right, several of you guys were. You guys will remember that, I mean, for five years, we were, I mean, we brought in this stage. We brought in this very stage I'm, I'm standing on. We brought in, uh, not the chairs you're sitting on, but the chairs that are in a auditorium two over there. We brought all the chairs in. We brought all the lights in. We brought a projector in, and we set it up on the, the basketball goal. That You guys will remember that. We set it up on the basketball goal, and it took a certain amount of journey invites to get the angle just right in order for it to hit the screen. I'm not even kidding. And so, I mean, just week in and week out of struggling and just wondering, are we going to ever, you know, you know, be able to continue? It felt like everything was just so temporary, like it wasn't permanent. And it, there was a temptation just to kind of throw in the towel, especially times when we would go in the summer and for whatever reason, they would just wax all the floors and not tell us and we couldn't walk on them. And so we had to lay out mats everywhere just to get anywhere. And it was just like, I mean, those things, those little things, uh, you know, one of the things that would get me every single year was book fair because there was only a certain amount of tables that we could use. And whenever we walked in and we saw book fair, we're like, we have no tables now. And so we would literally take a picture of every table with all the books on it. And then we would take all the books off. We would use the tables on Sunday. We'd place the tables back and we'd place the books exactly like they were in the pictures. I'm not even kidding you. How do you guys know that doesn't sound like a big deal, but Sometimes it's the little things that keep gnawing at you, right? That cause you to want to kind of just drop out. How many of you guys have some little things like that, right? And if you step back, it's not really that big of a deal. But when they start, they, they, little things kind of accumulate. You know, uh, like every, so often we come up on our building lease as a church. We're coming up again to renew our lease. And uh, that, that time of year, I have to guard my heart because it, you have no idea how hard we've looked at land and buildings and opportunities. And every time we get up to that point where it's time to renew the lease again, I'm like, surely we're not at this place again. Surely we would have found something by now. And one year, I mean, we, I took it right up to the deadline. I mean, the deadline was December 31st. It was December 31st, and I had not signed the renewal of the lease because I thought, we're still going to find something. I mean, we're going to get all the church here, and if we have to move everything out over the next six hours, that's what we're going to do. And I'm not kidding you. It was, I mean, you can ask some of the, the ministry leaders. I mean, I was like serious because I was just done with it, right? 
And so I'm sure that that's not your situation. I, I just have a hunch that's not your situation. But you could be struggling to be faithful in some other areas. How many of you guys have ever struggled to be faithful, to be generous, when your bank account screams lack, right? It's like, you know you're supposed to be faithful, but you're looking at the reality, and it's hard to be faithful in that scenario. Or maybe for some of us, it's praying for somebody year after year. Have you ever prayed for somebody year after year, and you just didn't see any progress? And you know you're supposed to be faithful. You know you're supposed to pray. But come on, after year after year, there really is a temptation, and some of you might be in it right now. You're in that temptation to, to think maybe this is never going to change. And so for somebody else, it could be something like this, and I believe this is a pretty big deal. It could be to continue in integrity in your business when it seems like everybody around you seems to be getting ahead faster through little compromises. Isn't, isn't it a challenge sometimes to be faithful even in the little things? I was over here at Price Chopper the other day, and uh, I bought some, a couple, I bought a, a couple packs of that like emergency type stuff, like I could just put it in my my water and like keep my immune system going, you know. And but I, I went up there and I was like, oh man, this is on sale, so I'm just going to buy two boxes of it, right? And so I bought two boxes of it, and I went and I paid for it, and I walked out and I was like, something didn't seem right to me. And so I looked at the receipt and I was like, I only paid for one box. And how many of you guys have ever been in that moment before? And like, I'm, you're standing there, it's like you got stuff to do and you're like, ah, it's eight bucks, you know? But, and, and I was like, no, I, I'm not gonna let the price of my integrity be $8.99. And so I went back and I said, I think that I, I, you know, I paid for one, but I got two. And they're like looking all over it and they're kind of confused. They're like, no, 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 it's buy one, get one free. You didn't steal this. And I'm like, oh, thank goodness, you know? <laughs> But, but how many of you guys know, had I walked out and just said, ah, it's just eight bucks, you know what, I'd probably be wondering in the back of my mind, did I really steal that? See, there's so many times just being faithful in the little things even can be hard. And that's not to bring condemnation if you've ever walked out with something, but you need to go make it right. But, <laughs> but still, it's, it just shows how easy it is to, to not be faithful. Maybe it's to not be faithful to your spouse in the hard times. You know, sometimes it's easy to be faithful to a spouse when things are going great, but it's the hard times. I heard this story uh, this past week, and some people say it was a hoax, but it was on the Jimmy Evans podcast, marriage podcast, so I don't know if it's true or not, but it, it was a story about this couple from an, a, some other country. I can't remember where it was, but they weren't in a good marriage, and I think it was the husband that started to sneak off to another room uh, while the wife was distracted and got on the internet, kind of got in some chat rooms, put a fake name on, uh, on there and started to flirt with uh, another woman and began to have this online relationship and began to fall in love on, online with this. Well, meanwhile, it turns out that the wife, while this guy was doing this, was in another room, got in a chat room and started with a fake name and was also falling in love online. Well, one of them uh, set up a date. They were like, it's, it's over. I'm gonna go and, and make this happen. They went to a date. Turns out that the spouse showed up at the date. They had been flirting with each other online in separate rooms and cheating with each other. They ended up getting a divorce even after that. It's like you fell in love with each other, right? Even if that's not true, even if that's just a hoax, it does point to this bigger truth that 
Sometimes the things that tempt us to be unfaithful in our life turn out not to be what we think they will be, right? And sometimes, even when we are gone, when we go astray in certain areas and we're tempted to walk away from things and we go to something else, we end up having the same problems that we had in the original place. Why? Because wherever you go, there you are. Maybe you are the problem, right? And so we're tempted to be unfaithful in so many different ways. But we need to have some understanding of this word faithfulness. You know, as I was studying this this week, you know, this fruit of the Spirit of faithfulness. By the way, how many flannel graph people do we have? If you know that word, you, I just know something about you, okay? If you went to Sunday school, they had this little thing called a flannel graph, and they just stick these characters up there. And, and I remember the fruit of the Spirit being up on the flannel graph, you know? I don't remember which one was the grapes and everything. I don't know if that's in the original language or not, but... But as I was studying this word faithfulness, I found something very interesting to me at least that I never knew before. That this word faithfulness, the original Greek word, is only translated faithfulness two or three times in the New Testament. The overwhelming amount of times it's translated something else. I mean like well over a hundred times it's translated something else. And I just thought, you know, because you kind of have in your mind what faithfulness is. The overwhelming amount of times, it's translated simply as faith. And listen, I want you to hear what kind of faith it's talking about. Let me give you some examples of what this word faithfulness, this fruit of the Spirit, is actually translated as. Mark chapter 2, verse 5. And when Jesus saw their faith, this is the same word, the same fruit of the Spirit. When Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralytic, son, your sins are forgiven. Let me give you another example. Acts 16, 5. So the churches were strengthened in the faith. This is the fruit of the Spirit word here. They were strengthened in the faith and increased in numbers daily. Romans chapter 5 verse 1. Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Same fruit of the Spirit word. 2 Corinthians chapter 5 verse 7. For we walk by faith and not by sight. The same fruit of the Spirit word as faithfulness in Galatians chapter 5. And so if you are struggling in the area of faithfulness today, which I listed off some possibilities, but you may have some others. If you're struggling in the area of faithfulness today, what I want to do is I want to give you three faith words that are going to anchor your faithfulness in some faith words, since that seems to be the root of all of this faithfulness anyway. I want to give you three faith words. And the first one is found in a very uh, popular portion of Scripture on the topic of faith that many of you might have heard before. And it's Hebrews 11.1. 1. It says, now faith. That's the same word for the fruit of the spirit of faithfulness. Now faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. So the first, if you're struggling in faithfulness, here, let me give you an anchor word, a, a word that's going to kind of root you in faith so that you can be faithful. And that's the word assurance. It says, faith is the assurance. Now, the original meaning of that word is like a foundation. So faith is a foundation. Another way to look at it is it's, as you dig deeper into it, it's like sediment that falls to the bottom. In other words, this word assurance is like something that is weighty. It's the weighty things. It's like an anchor for your soul. This faith is a weighty anchor for your soul. It's like sediment that falls to the bottom, that keeps you where you need to be. Do we have any fishermen or fisher ladies in the place? All right, I, I hunt, I do stuff like that, but I never 
uh, never fish, all right? So, uh, so this spring, a friend of mine who was here like Saturday night, last night's service, his name is Sean as well, so I just make friends with guys named Sean, but he, just, he said, I'll take you out fishing. And so we went out on his boat, and I know nothing about fishing. Isn't it so humiliating to be like proficient in certain areas of your life? And then I show up like, I'm like a kid. I don't know how to do anything. Like show me, I don't know, how do I hold the fish? How do I take out the hook? I mean, this is how I am, right? And so I'm like, I don't know anything. But I'm having the time of my life. We're out on his boat. He's got all these things I'd never seen before. You know, like these, we're looking at brush underground and stuff, like underwater and from his boat. I'm like, I've never like heard of this before. And then all of a sudden he's got this technology that it's like he can just pinpoint a spot for us to be in the water and the GPS system will keep us exactly in that spot. Like magically, I don't know how it happens, but it's like, so have you guys already know about all this stuff? And you're like, you're an idiot. Like you should know about this stuff. You're like 44 years old, right? I didn't know about any of this stuff. And so I'm sitting there and I'm like, you're telling me like that we are like GPS because the waves will, here's what I know about being out on a boat. If you don't do something, the waves will eventually start to cause you to drift, right? But he's got this link that like, like keeps us exactly where, within like five feet of where we need to be, right over the, where the fish are at. And I thought, isn't that a great picture of like what faith does? That even when the waves and stuff try to cause us to drift and the wind might try to cause us to blow, but this assurance that we have is like a weighty anchor, this assurance. So what is this assurance that keeps us steady? Well, Hebrews 11 goes on to list a whole bunch of people who live by faith. And it's like called the faith chapter. You know, so this person and that person lived by faith and that person lived by faith. And it's a whole list. And they knew that God is always faithful and so they could live by faith. And so I wanna just not tell you about that. Uh, it'd be a little bit more exciting if we can, can show a little bit different picture of that to kind of help you remember some of these. But I'm gonna show you this list and then talk about what it was that anchored them and why they could do this. So here's a list of people who live by faith in 11. Faith, what is it? Being sure of our hope, convinced of what we can't see. By faith, we understand the world was set in order at God's command. By faith, Abel offered God a greater sacrifice than Cain, and for his faith, God commended him as righteous. By faith, Noah trusted God and constructed an ark for the deliverance of his family. By faith, Abraham was willing to sacrifice Isaac, his only son, believing God would still fulfill his promises. By faith, Moses chose to be mistreated with the people of God rather than enjoy sin's fleeting pleasure. By faith, God's chosen nation crossed the Red Sea on dry ground and praised him as it swallowed up the Egyptians. By faith, Rahab the prostitute escaped destruction because she welcomed the spies in peace. Time will fail me if I tell of Gideon, David, and the prophets. By faith, they administered justice, shut the mouths of lions, quenched raging fire. But others were imprisoned, murdered, and wandered in deserts, mountains, and openings in the earth. 
We are surrounded by this great cloud of witnesses. So get rid of every weight, of every sin, and run. Run with endurance the race set before us. Keep your eyes fixed on Jesus. He is the champion and guide of our faith. For promised joy, he endured the cross, thought nothing of its shame, and having risen again, has been handed his deserved glory at the right hand of the throne of God. That's a great list of a bunch of people who live by faith. Now, here's what I want to to bring to your attention. It was their faith in God's faithfulness that anchored them in faithfulness. See, they had assurance, and it wasn't in their ability to, to be good enough or to walk it out just right. Or, but they had an assurance in God's faithfulness. Someone said to me a couple weeks ago that it's easy for God to be faithful because he knows the end. It's easy for God to be faithful to us because he knows the end. God's not moved by everything that happens on the in-between, right? How many of you guys have ever, like, recorded a, a football game or basketball game or something like that and then watched it later. How many of you guys ever done that? All right, how, three people, okay, four. All right, how many of you guys are the type of people that you will, find, you will record the game, find out the score, and then go watch the game even though after you know who's gonna win? How many of you guys are those type of people? Okay, we're praying for you after service. I don't know what's going on with that, but <laughs> you already know. And uh, so, but that's a great picture because it's like, You know, God already knows the end game. So how many of you guys know, if you already know who's going to win, your team is going to win, and you go back and you watch the game, even though there's a little bit of drama in it, how many of you guys know there's not as much drama? God's not moved by every fumble. God's not moved by every wrong call. God's not moved by all this type of stuff because he knows how it's going to turn out. Right? So, so when you're watching that game back, I mean, yeah, there's a little bit of excitement, but there's not as much mystery, and you don't get all worked up as much because you know how it turns out, right? See, some of us, how many of you guys know it'd be easy to be faithful if you knew the outcome? How many of you guys just come on a bit? It'd be easy. I mean, I'll walk it out, even if it's hard, if I know how it's going to turn out. Here's what I want you to understand. You don't have to know the outcome. All you have to know is that God knows the outcome. And if you really trust and you really believe that God is a faithful God, and if you really believe, as we talked about last week, that God is good and all the time God is good, and no matter what, God is good, and you really believe that God is faithful, all you have to know is that he knows. And then I can walk this out. Come on, somebody needs to get a hold of this today because you're trying to only be, like, God, I'll be faithful if, if you'll show me. But God says, no, I just need you to know that I know. That's walking by faith. It's just knowing that he knows. That's how, it, how we can be faithful. So faithfulness begins to deepen in our life when the most important things become the weightiest things in our life. See, what happens a lot of times, we're easily moved because it's non-important things that we're trying to anchor our life to. And so we have to build our life on the weighty things that are also the important things, the assurance. So there are areas of your life that you should feed. There are areas of your life that you should starve. There are areas of your life that you should overemphasize and the areas of your life you should underemphasize. Why? Because when trouble comes, 
when trouble comes in your life, those weighty things are going to be the anchor for your soul, whether good or bad. So listen, if you have things that are weighty in your life that are not important, that are wrong things, they are still gonna try to anchor you. So whenever you try to move in the things of God, if you're weighted down by things that are not important, that are not right, they're gonna anchor you. And so here's what a lot of people end up doing. A lot of people end up getting into a time in your life where there are problems, where there are situations, or maybe where you have different preferences. And then we try to decide what are weighty things in our life. We try to get into a time where maybe we're in the situation. And then we try to decide, well, what's the weightiest thing in my life? Let me put this up on the screen for you because it's gonna be important for somebody. You have to pre-decide weighty things in the presence of God, not in the presence of problems or preferences. So what you do is you get in the presence of God, you settle some things, you hold on to those things, and then when you get out on the water, then when you get into the problem, then when you start having preferences, you remind yourself of what was already settled in the presence of God. Can somebody say amen to that? We've gotta settle those things. All right, which leads us to the second anchor word, which is this. It's the word allegiance. Assurance and allegiance. Allegiance is a deeper level of faithfulness. It's more like the word loyalty. Because how many of you guys know there's a difference between faithfulness and loyalty level faithfulness? Let me give you some examples. Not to stereotype a little bit, but we'll have a little fun with this. How many of you guys remember when we still had malls? Anybody remember that? Some of you guys still do that? All right, again, not to stereotype, uh, but how many of you husbands have ever had your wife maybe say something like, let's just go shopping at the mall, go clothes shopping or something like that. He's gone. He's just like, I'm out of here. I'm not going to stay around for this. But <laughs> uh, have you guys have ever been there though? And you showed up for it, right? You like, you, you went and you're, you're sitting in the, you know, waiting outside the dressing room and stuff like that. And you're just, you're just waiting and, and you, you were faithfully there. How many of you guys are just, you, you've ever done that before? All right. Some of you are brave men. We have marriage counseling available after the service. So you go and you are faithfully going to every store. You're faithfully waiting. You're faithfully, you know, evaluating the outfit or whatever you got to do. But how you guys would just admit, maybe your heart wasn't in it just a little bit. Again, careful, careful, gentlemen, careful. What, what I'm saying is you were faithfully there, but you weren't loyal to what was happening in the process. Now's the time ladies can say amen, amen, come on. What I'm saying is that you can be faithful to your marriage and not loyal to your marriage. You can do everything you need to do. You can check all of the boxes in your marriage and you can be faithful. I'm not committing adultery. I'm not doing this. I'm doing this. I'm making breakfast. I'm taking out the You can be faithful and yet your heart is not in the marriage. You know that you can be faithful to your family and not loyal to your family, like not fully present. You're there. You're taking the vacations, you're doing all the stuff, but you're not really there. You know that you can be faithful to the vision that God gave you, the calling that God has on your life, and still not be loyal to the calling God has in your life? Let me give you a scriptural example. I'll give it to you in one word, Jonah. 
Here's a guy that he eventually got it right and eventually did everything he was supposed to do and asked, God asked him to do. But at the end of it all, he's sitting there and his heart is not in it. He, did, he was faithful to the calling, but he didn't have loyalty level faithfulness to the calling. You can be faithful to this church. You can serve, you can give, you can show up and, and be a part of it, stand in worship, and still not have your heart in what God is doing here or with the people here, right? So what I'm saying is this, loyalty, this loyalty level faithfulness looks like this. Loyalty is faithfulness in task and allegiance. And if you are struggling to be faithful in some area of your life, this may be a key. You may be faithful in the task. The question is, are you faithful in the task and allegiance? Do I need to make some adjustments in my, my heart? See, we don't want just faithful friends who will take the call whenever we, we want loyal friends who also have our back, right? Whenever we're in trouble. We want faithful friends who, who are not just, you know, doing this stuff and, and being around us, but who will actually pray for us when we're not there or defend us when we're not there. Those are loyal friends, right? See, biblical faithfulness is loyalty in task and allegiance. So I'm gonna have my wife back and come and help preach this message. Give her a big hand as she comes and shares the point. So we're talking about the fruit of the Spirit here, and we've been every week talking about what to do or what it's like to kind of be in a moment where you have to choose peace or patience or something like that. And I think that last week when we talked about goodness and then this week, these two words really kind of rock us to the core. Like you can be in moments where you're kind of you know, needing peace or needing patience, but when you start getting to where you're doubting God's faithfulness or God's goodness, that really hits you, right? Um, I was thinking just this morning about a time, so we have a big garden, so every year we have mountains of zucchini, and this was years ago, and I've only done it one time, but I made this apple dessert that was not apples, it was actually zucchini. And believe it or not, if you cut up zucchini really small and you cook it in butter and cinnamon, it tastes like apples. And so I made this dessert. I didn't lie, I don't think. My daughter says I lied. But I was like, here, taste this apple dessert. And everybody tasted it, and they're like, oh, wow, it's really good. And I'm like, it's zucchini. And they were so upset with me. And they, from now on, anytime there's a cake or banana bread or zucchini bread, or not, well, not zucchini bread, but banana bread, they're like, is there zucchini in here, Mom? Did you put zucchini or did you put Brussels sprouts in here or something? And I, we just don't know. And I'm like, I promise, I didn't sneak anything. And it was one time, come on. But I think that, that what I did, and that's a little bit of a stretch, but what I did is I made them doubt my faithfulness. They keep thinking I'm sneaking things in there. They keep thinking I'm tricking them. And I want to promise you, you can trust God's faithfulness. God will not sneak something in on you. God will not trick you. And so remember, this whole series, what we've been talking about, is ways to create a gap, ways to create an opening so that we can step into something and God can fill it with his power, his spirit, to give us that ability. So... I, uh, lately, lately, the last couple years, God's been speaking to me really differently whenever I've been kind of tempted to, to uh, doubt God's faithfulness. You know, in a moment of just real raw 
and I will begin to say the sentence, God, it feels like you're not moving, or it feels like you're not being faithful. And what he's been doing is, before I can finish the sentence, before I can even say a few words, he's like, I am, I am. And he won't even let me, in my thoughts, finish the sentence. And so the way to create that gap, I think, is so simple and hard at the same time. And it's when you're tempted to doubt God's faithfulness, just turn. Just turn to him. Just tell him. Instead of turning away, instead of turning your back and deciding, I'm not going to pray anymore. I'm not going to, you know, because God's not faithful. No, you just turn to him. And he will fill in that gap. And why is this so important, you guys? It's important, obviously, for you. But we are called to be a witness. We are called to be a witness. Jesus said, let your light so shine. People are watching us. Bill Johnson said this quote that said, I am indebted to him to reflect his faithfulness through my trust. Can you think about that just a minute? I am indebted to him to reflect his faithfulness through my trust. So what does this mean? Let's say that you are worried about finances. Let's say that you talk to your children, to your spouse, about how hard it is, about how you don't think you can make ends meet, about what's, how the next bill's gonna get paid. Not only are you telling everyone around you that you don't trust, but think about this, you guys, you are actually saying God is not faithful. God is not going to be faithful to me in my finances. God is not going to be faithful to me in this instance. You are proclaiming that. Does that worry anybody? I think, I think we need to get that in your head, but I also want to encourage you, when you do step into those harder things, when you do decide things are bad, but I'm just going to keep walking, I'm going to keep moving, and somebody was like, how are things going? And you don't have to broadcast your life to the world, but you can say, you know what? Things aren't going really great, but you know what? God's good, and I'm going to get through this. And what you're doing is you are shining that light. You are reflecting his faithfulness. You are saying to those people around you, God is faithful, and God is worthy of my trust. So I just want to encourage you that, that, that it's more than just us going through our struggles. People are watching. People are wondering if God is faithful, and they will watch your life to determine that. All right, last anchor word is one that you guys aren't going to like. I'm just going to tell you, you're not going to like it. So, and it is the word, don't believe me? Okay, here we go. Accountability. How many of you guys, yeah, we're not going to go there. I'm, let me give you a quick review of what we said at the very beginning of the series. And we talked about our emotions. Like you may be really good in one area of your emotions and really poor in another. And so we talked about how our emotions can have an age to them. So in other words, even like with my level of peace or the fruit of the spirit, I could be like really mature in my peace level. But in some area of my life, how many of you guys know, I could be like a five-year-old in my responses, right? How many of you guys know what I'm talking about, right? You can, every different thing can have a different level. And I think this area of faithfulness is one of those areas that many of us are probably underdeveloped in. You may be really mature in certain areas, but if you aren't mature in this area, it doesn't matter how mature you are in the other areas, you aren't going to last very long. 
And, and that's important to be able to endure. The Bible talks about that all the time. All right, and it's really found in this area in 1 Corinthians chapter 12 and verse 17. It says this. It says, if the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing be? If the whole body were an ear, where would be the sense of smell? But as it is, God arranged the members in the body, each one of them as he chose. If all were a single member, where would the body be? And as it is, there are many parts, yet one body. The eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you. And again, nor the head can say to the feet, I have no need of you. You see, some of us might be underdeveloped in this area because we don't understand how God designed us, especially if you are a believer, you are connected to other people. The problem is in our individualistic society, we tend to prize individualism as almost a virtue instead of in the kingdom, it's the connectedness that should be praised. And so since so many of us are undeveloped in this area, it's easy for us to be unfaithful because we have lost this sense, we have undervalued this idea of being connected to other people. See, he lists different parts of the body in there, and he says some of them we don't think are that important, and some of them we think, you know, I'm really important because I'm this. Listen, it's the mundane faithfulness that what is what God values above what is outward, what looks flashy, what looks great. Sometimes it's just that faithfulness that God disproportionately puts weight on as, as it has value. But in our individualist society, we just think, well, I'm the most valuable, right? And so whatever I feel and whatever I want is what I should do. But our faithfulness is going to deepen when we realize that we belong to something that's bigger than ourselves. See, when you realize that you belong to something that's bigger than yourself, that allows you to begin to say things like, I'm going to walk this out even if I don't feel like it because I'm part of something that's bigger than myself. Think about your family. To be faithful to your family is to also acknowledge I belong to something that's bigger than myself. This isn't all about me. This isn't all about what I want, but I belong. In your marriage, same thing. The reason, one of the ways you can be faithful is because you understand I belong to something that's not just me. And so it's not just what I want. It's not just what I feel, but I belong to something bigger than myself. See, what a lot of us do is we get these we, we get this idea, maybe it's from culture, maybe it's from, you know, hints of scripture as well mixed in there, but we get this idea that God's idea for us and dream for us is to follow our passions and our dreams. And so, so many people are following their heart, their passions, and their dreams. And make no mistake about it, God will give you passions and dreams and callings. But so many of us, we think that our life is about, I need to figure out what my passion and dream is, and what God gives me, my passion and dream, and go after that with all of my heart. And, and I'm telling you, God gives you some of those things, and they may hint at your calling and your purpose, but they are not the ultimate totality or the ultimate guide for how you are to live your life or for what you are to do with your life. And that may be burst in a bubble for somebody, but here's why. Here's why. Because some of the things that God calls us to do are not fun. Some of the people God calls us to be around, come on, can we be real, are not fun. 
And if all we do is follow our passions and our dreams, we will find ourselves outside of the will of God very quickly. And so it goes back to this idea. I'm connected to something, a church that's bigger than myself, a job that's bigger than myself, a marriage that's bigger than myself, a family that's bigger than myself, a mission that's bigger than myself, a great commission that's bigger than myself. And so what allows me to not just be so individualistic, but to realize I'm connected, see that connectivity allows us to be more faithful. And let me just kind of close up with this uh, this story, it's out of, the, it's the book of Nehemiah. How many of you guys love the book of Nehemiah? I do, it's written in, a, it happens about 444 BC. Nehemiah is some distance away from the walls of Jerusalem that have been broken down, but he hears word of it some, you know, 140 or so years later after they've been broken down, he gets word of it for some reason and he hears of it. He's the cupbearer to the king. He has really no real connection to this, but when he hears the news that the walls are broken down of God's city, he is undone. He's just wrecked. He's lost it. He's weeping. He's in fasting and mourning. He just can't control himself. And you're like, why? Was, was Nehemiah like really passionate about building walls? He's a cupbearer to the king. I don't think Nehemiah is like really passionate about building walls. Here's what I think happened. Nehemiah let what concerned God concern him. Nehemiah understood that it wasn't just his dream, his idea, his life that was important, but he let what concerned God concern him to the point that he became passionate about it and it became his dream. Do you see how that works? See, a lot of times what we do is we say, God, I got a hint of the passion and dream you've given for my life, and then we kind of fill in all the gaps. It's like God gives us a piece of paper and he puts a little hint on it. We write the whole thing out. We hand it back to God and say, would you sign off on this? Nehemiah said, God, what do you want on that piece of paper? And God wrote down what he wanted, and Nehemiah signed and said, I'm all in. I don't care. Because building the walls was not, I mean, he had to leave his life. He had to go and he had to, to, you know, disrupt his life. He took all sorts of criticism. It was not a fun project. But, but there's a hint in here how he did it. Nehemiah chapter three, verse 28. It says, above the horse gate, the priests repaired the wall. Each one repaired the section immediately across from his own house. So you got, he, God gives him a plan. He starts to station, you know, everybody who, where they live, he said, you repair the gate and the wall right in front of your house. You get a plan. He got a plan. He started to put the plan together. There were all these amazing gates. There was the sheep gate, the fish gate, the Yeshana gate, the valley gate, the fountain gate, the water gate, the horse gate, all these gates and beautiful things people are building. But I really think the real hero of the story is Malchijah. Because as you keep reading, Malchijah, watch this. Nehemiah chapter three, verse 14. The dung gate... was repaired by Malchijah. It is what you think it is. It's like all the refuse and all the trash. Can you imagine Malchijah saying, I'm really not passionate about this, God. That's not the dream I had. You know, it's not what I thought. But Malchijah said, he understood something. I'm accountable to the work God is doing that is not just me. It's connected to everything else. And if I don't do my thing, then the whole thing doesn't work. He understood that he was connected to something bigger than himself. And so what I, I want you to catch is that somebody got the dung gate. 
And you may be looking at your life and say, I think I got the dung gate. <laughs> I want you to understand, maybe you did. Because God positions people exactly where he needs them to be. And he's looking for somebody who will be faithful with whatever God sets in front of them. He says, I don't care if it's as cool as the fountain gate, but this is the gate that God put in front of me. And I'm going to be faithful because I believe that God is a faithful God. Now, here's the problem with that. How many of you guys are what I would call a driven person? Like you're just a go, go, go person. Come on, let's just own it. If you are, you'd raise your hand. So I don't know who you are. I am. I've got, I mean, I'm a driven person. Let me tell you something about driven people. There's nothing wrong with that. God uses that. But a driven person's toughest task is to properly manage their own ambition. Let me say it again. A driven person's toughest task is to properly manage their own ambition. Because as a driven person, we have ambitions that sometimes can grow in ways that God never intended. And we, the thing about driven people is we can produce a lot of things, a lot of great things. But what we really wanna be watchful for is are we producing God things? Because if Malchijah would have just said, you know, I, Dungate's fine, I'll leave that to somebody else, but I, I really want to go repair that gate. You know what? The wall would have been broken down and it wouldn't have been built up in 52 days. Who knows how long they'd have to come up with a committee and try to decide who was going to do it and you know, draw straws. I don't know what they would have to do, but they'd have to figure out something. What I'm saying is God knows how to position people exactly where you're supposed to be. And so most likely your purpose is right in the wall that is right in front of you. Most, for most people, it's where God has placed you right now that you're tempted to be unfaithful in. It's right now in the marriage that you're tempted to be unfaithful in. It's right now in the calling that you're tempted to be unfaithful in. Possibly the church that you're tempted to be unfaithful in. The job that you're tempted to be unfaithful in. For many people, it's what's right in front of us because God knows what he's doing. And he puts you there for a reason. So what are the ways, what are some of the ways that the Holy Spirit begins to grow this fruit of faithfulness in, it, in us? Let me tell you the way that the Holy Spirit will grow this fruit of faithfulness in you. Here it is, ready? Opportunity. Many times it's opportunities that we would never choose. Right now some of us have an opportunity to be faithful or to, rather to be unfaithful. And God wants to grow, the Holy Spirit wants to produce this fruit of faithfulness in us. And the way he's chosen to do it is he's given you an opportunity. And some of us are like, well, that's not what I would have chose. That looks like the dung gate to me. But when you're faithful and connected to other people, God begins to move. Let me wrap up with this in Matthew chapter 25. It's a parable Jesus told as the worship team can come back and we'll, we'll respond in worship here in just a second. Many of you guys have heard this before. It says, again, the kingdom of heaven can be illustrated by the story of a man going on a long trip and he called together his servants and he trusted money to them while he was gone. He gave five bags of silver to one, two bags of silver to another, one bag of silver to the last. Watch this, dividing it in proportion to their abilities. He then left on this trip. So he's got this one guy, he's like, oh, he's a five bag of silver guy. I'll give you five bags of silver, you can handle that. Two bags. Wasn't anything wrong with the five bag, two bag, or one guy. It was, he, it was what he knew they could handle. 
And so we see that he, he goes on a trip. He comes back. Verse 20, it says, the servant to whom he had entrusted the five bags of silver came forward and with five more and said, master, you gave me five bags of silver to invest and I've earned five more. The master was full of praise. He says, well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful in handling this small amount. Now I'll give you many more responsibilities. Let's celebrate together. And so he goes to the guy with two. Same thing happens. He says, great job, good and faithful servant. What happened? The guy with one bag, he was scared that he was going to lose, that he was going to mess it up. And so he buries it. And the master says what? He says, you wicked and lazy servant. And it wasn't because the one guy couldn't handle it. What I want you to understand here is it wasn't success that was what was being praised. It wasn't like, hey, five guy, you, you, guys, you did great, man. Way to, way to produce. Two guys, wait, man, look at that, man. You are a wizard at investing. It wasn't success that was being praised. It was faithfulness. He's like, I gave you a task and you were faithful. It doesn't matter if you're five, two, or one. And what I want you to understand is it doesn't matter if you're five, two, or one today that God gives each each one of us according to our ability and every single person here, whether you're five, two, or one, you have a 100% chance of being faithful, 100% opportunity to be faithful just like anyone else sitting next to you. God is no respecter of persons. He's not setting you up to fail. He's not giving you something that you can't handle. He's saying, I don't, you may look at other people and they may have less or more. It doesn't matter. He's given to you according to your ability. Now it's time to be faithful. And as you're faithful, God will give you more. You want your plate size to increase? Be faithful in the little. But here's where it happens. 99% of the time, it happens behind the scenes in the little things. See, faithfulness in private is what leads to fruitfulness in public. There's always a season of preparation. There's always a faithfulness in private. And let me tell you this, the private time, the unseen time is always longer than you think it should be. And so if you're right now saying, I'm in a time, it's, I'm an o, OT right now. I'm tempted to be unfaithful because maybe I missed the boat. Listen, the unseen time is always, and listen, it can, can I just tell you, it becomes longer the less faithful you are. The unseen time demands more. The, the, the more we're willing to not walk in it. The more we're pushing, the more we're trying to bring the stuff that should be in private, we're trying to bring it to the stage. You know what that causes? delay. God just says, would you just be faithful? And here's the key to being faithful in private. You can be faithful in private when you finally release the idea that I ever need it to be public. If you get it in your heart that I'm just going to be faithful, and I don't care if this is ever public. That's the kind of person God can use. That's the kind of person God does stuff with. And so if you're struggling in some area today, my hope, my my burden for you is that maybe it's time to take a second look or a fresh look at what God has placed in front of you. Sure, God may lead you to something new, and I'm not saying he won't, but I'm saying that maybe it's time to take a fresh look 
Because maybe God's placed a gate right in front of us to build. And he says, would you just be faithful? And even if it never, even if nobody ever knows, I'll know. And come on, guys, if we're real, isn't that really what we want? That when we get to the end, that God says, well done, good and faithful servant. I saw all those times. I'm just living for an audience of one. Would you guys stand up with me? Let's worship him in response one more time. God, we thank you so much for your presence. We thank you so much that you are faithful to us, even when we're faithless. Jesus, we thank you that you died on the cross for us, even while we were still sinners, and you rose from the dead. We thank you for your faithfulness to us, even when we waver. Lord, we can declare you are faithful. We can declare you are faithful. And so, Lord, that's what we do right now. We choose to worship you and we declare it with our words, with our life, and with our song. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's worship.